There was a lady who was getting on a bus for her early morning commute with her small baby in her arms. And as she walked up the steps, the bus driver looked at her baby and said, Ma'am, that is the ugliest baby I've ever seen. Well, you know, that rude comment, of course, made her mad. And she slowly walked to the back of the bus to find a seat. And the more she sat there, the angrier she became. She turned to the person sitting next to her and began to share about the rude bus, com bus driver's comments. And she then told this person, I think I'm going to go up there and give him a piece of my mind. The person sitting next to her said, if you want to go up there, I'll hold your pet. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever struggled to be nice to someone? All right? especially someone who's different from you. Maybe they're talkative and, and you're just quiet and you like quietness and they just talk, right? Or maybe they're a gossip and you just detest gossip. Or maybe they cheer for Ohio State and you root for Michigan. You can pray for those individuals. <clears throat> maybe they're a late night individual and you are a morning person. Sometimes it's just difficult to get along with people who are different from us, isn't it? Well, there's a story of a doctor who had an idea that would change the medical industry. But everyone was just satisfied with how they did things. But this man knew if he could just find one person willing to try out his idea, he could influence the industry to change their ways. Dr. Evan Kane was the chief surgeon of Kane Summit Hospital in New York City, and he had practiced his specialty for 37 years. Over the course of time, he came to question the wisdom of using general anesthesia for every surgery. He believed people would recover quicker if they only had a local anesthesia. However, no matter how convinced he was about his theory, he had one problem. No one wanted to get under the knife while they were still awake. Everyone he talked to had that same fear. They didn't want to feel the pain of the scalpel while they were awake during surgery. After much searching, Dr. Kane finally found a willing subject. It helped that it was a relatively, relatively common procedure. According to Dr. Kane's own records, during his practice, he had performed over 4,000 appendectomies. So the procedure was almost second nature to him. The patient was prepped and brought into the operating room. The local anesthesia was carefully administered. As he had always done, he cut into the right side of the abdomen and began the procedure. He tied off blood vessels, found the appendix, and removed it. And to his own credit, he proved himself right. Throughout the surgery, the patient felt little discomfort. In fact, he was up and around the next afternoon, which was remarkable since this was back in 1921. Back then, they were kept in the hospital for six to eight days. It was a milestone in the world of medicine. But what made it even more newsworthy was that the patient and the doctor were the same person. You see, Dr. Kane had operated on himself. Dr. Kane proved his theory and changed the way surgery was performed and how anesthesia is administered.
So let me ask you this. If you're going to make a list of ways to change the world, who would it start with? You know, maybe the world is too big of a place to start, and so what about changing our country? Maybe our country is still too lofty of a goal. How about our state? You know, who would, who would you start with? Maybe the governor, you know, she has power, she has influence and authority, you know, that sounds about right. But what about just changing your own town and your own community? If you're going to make a difference, if you're going to make a difference in your own town, who would you start with? But before we start looking at people around us, I would suggest we look at ourselves first. And so this morning, will you stand with me out of honor of reading the Word of God? It's found in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. It says, be sure to pray that God will make a way for us to spread his message and explain the mystery about Christ, even though I'm in jail for doing this. Please pray that I will make the message as clear as possible. When you're with unbelievers, always make good use of the time. Be pleasant and hold their interest when you speak the message. Choose your words carefully and be ready to give answers to anyone who asks questions. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would help me to make this message as clear as possible. God, that it would be simple to understand and that we would be able to apply it to our lives. I pray that when we find ourselves with those who don't believe, God, that we would be able to share and hold their attention and speak the truth in a way that they'll be able to easily understand. God, may we find ourselves making good use of our time, helping others to be influenced by you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. This morning, I want to talk about how we can live a life that influences others. It can be difficult to live a life peaceably with others, especially as in the first story where someone makes such a rude comment about your beautiful little baby. And it can be difficult to be nice to someone when they don't share the same views as you, especially the same biblical views. But when you live a good life, when you have a lifestyle that people respect, people want to know what's behind it. They want to know what makes you different from everyone else. You know, why do you live the way that you do? Why do you live passionately for Christ? Because when you live passionately for him, people will take notice. You see, you and I, we're supposed to influence those around us. And so what do your neighbors see when they see you? When they're looking at your life, what do they see? When you're interacting with your family at home, what do they see in your lifestyle? You know, do they see that you live differently? Do they see that you act differently? Do they see that you actually react differently, right? See, someone once said, you may be the only Jesus that someone gets to see. See, we have the ability and the responsibility to influence others. 
Our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, they may not attend church. They may not be reading their Bible. Your life may be the only glimpse they get to see of what it means to live for Jesus. They're watching your lifestyle. And so this morning, I want to look at how I can be an influence to my neighbors. And so this morning, I said, we're to bring out the best in others. We're to bring out the best in other people. It's no secret that I love sports. I love to win. I love the excitement. I love the thrill. I love the adrenaline of playing sports. And what's amaz- what amazes me about sports is that we have these gifted athletes, these players who make millions of dollars, yet they still need someone to bring out the best in them. They need a coach. See, the coach is there to instill confidence in them. They're, he's there to help them to bring out the best. The coach is there to point out the mistakes that they make. But more importantly, the coach is there to help them reach their goals. See, I have to be careful, though, when it comes to sports because I like to win. I play to win, right? If there's a way to win, I'm going to try to find that way. And I get competitive. And my attitude begins to change. I mean, I get competitive during the Pinewood Derby. And so I have to learn to be careful because my attitude will change. Last week while I was at junior high camp, we were playing a bunch of team games and everyone's yelling and trying to win. And I had to keep reminding myself, take a step back. Don't get wrapped up in all the excitement of trying to win. But instead to encourage our students to do their very best. So when they walked off that field after we had lost, and we lost many times, I walked up to them, I high-fived them, I let them know I was so proud of them. I let them know that they did a great job. Because no matter what, even if you lose, if you give your best, you did a great job. See, our role, whether we're parents, coaches, coworkers, neighbors, friends, is to bring out the best in all those we come into contact with. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5.13. He said, you are like salt for everyone on earth. But if salt no longer tastes like salt, how can it make food salty? All it is good for is to be thrown out and walked on. See, Jesus said that we're to be like salt. And if we read in today's terms, we might think of table salt and And it may not really make a lot of sense to us, but salt was used as an effective preservative and helped protect and preserve their food. Before electricity and refrigeration, meat would be packed in salt, and salt would help keep the food. So instead of spoiling it that day, it was edible enough to eat a season or two down the road. Salt is a preservative, and it works as it penetrates into the food and You and I are to act as a preservative, bringing out the best. And just like salt was placed onto meat so that it wouldn't decay, we're to help bring balance and hope to all those around us by making it easier for them to understand and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I want you to understand, in Christ, 
You are important. You are important. And there are many people who believe that they're unimportant, that they're just not needed, they're unwanted. And somehow as we grow up and we become adults, that that same thought process carries over. Those same feelings never change. But Jesus says you are important to him. He also says that you have high value. See, salt was highly valued, and it's still valued to this day. They weren't able to go to the local grocery store and buy a big bag of salt. During the early days of the Roman Empire, salt was used as a form of payment. And it's believed that we, we got the word salary from this time, when soldiers were regularly paid with a handful of salt. And it was from that practice that the expression, not worth your salt, originated. But God looks at you, and he says, you have value. You have value. You see, it's through Christ that you're pure, and God wants us to have pure motives. He wants us to have pure actions and hopes and our desires. And Jesus mentioned something about being pure in heart and Matthew 5, 8, he says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. See, in Christ, we're important. In Christ, we have high value. And only through Christ are we pure in heart, and we can influence those around us. See, one of the purposes of salt is to flavor food. I remember as a child, I would go to McDonald's and get french fries. I think they have one of the best french fries. And I would take the salt shaker and I would just turn the salt shaker over and I would just wait until it emptied out, right? And by the time I got done, there would be a a mound of salt. And you could just barely see a french fry or two sticking out, right? I don't do that anymore. I now actually order them without salt, not for health reasons, but because I discovered you always get them hot when you order them fresh that way without salt. But maybe there are some of you here this morning like me that likes to eat a little food with their salt. The purpose of salt is to flavor the food, not for the food to flavor the salt. A little salt goes a long way. And just like salt flavors the food, we should flavor our world. See, if we really have something to be excited about, then let's get excited. When we cross that line of faith, when we invite Jesus into our life, he forgives us of all our mistakes. He forgives us of all our sins, and that's something to get excited about. And yet often when the world looks at us, they see a bunch of sad, boring Christians. I got to tell you, when I'm at camp, There's no sad, boring Christian there, right? We need to add flavor to the world and show them what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ. But what does your neighbor see when they look at you? How do you handle conflict? You know, do you get overwhelmed and stressed out? Do you just sit there and do nothing and just hope that the conflict goes away? Or maybe you just argue with the individual and continue to escalate that conflict, right? Or do you place your trust in God and have confidence that God is going to help pull you through 
and seek him and his wisdom. How do you handle your finances? Do you spend every dime that you have? Do you find yourself falling behind in your payments? Or do you trust God to provide for you? Do you trust God with your finances by faithfully giving your tithes and offerings to him? How do you conduct yourself when no one else is watching you? See, if someone looked at your browser history, would you have to justify your actions? Or if they saw the shows that you watch, would you be embarrassed? See, these are interesting questions, and you may ask, what does it have to do with being salt? We have to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5.13. If salt no longer tastes like salt, how can it make food salty? All it is good for is to be thrown out and walked on. See, we lose our saltiness when we make compromises, when we don't stand up for our beliefs, when we fail to show Jesus in our lifestyle when we see someone who's hurting and in need and just turn our back on them. See, I want to be able to stand up in the world and make an impact. I don't want to lose my saltiness. I want to change the world I live in by influencing others to become passionate followers of Christ. And the only way to do that is to maintain that salt that Christ has put in your life. See, we are to bring out the best in others. I also said that I'm to be an influence of light to others. I'm to be a light to influence others in a dark world. See, when Jesus spoke, he used imagery in his stories. And not only did Jesus say that we're to be salt, he, he said something else. He said, we're to be light. In Matthew 5, 14, he said, you are like light for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden, and no one would light a lamp and put it under a clay pot. A lamp is placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. See, Jesus understood the darkness that we live in. Paul describes in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, 12, he says, we're not fighting against humans. We're fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. If you look around us and read the news or watch the news, you, you easily can see how dark of a world we live in. And Jesus calls us to be light in this dark world. See, light penetrates darkness. Light influences the darkness. Where there is light, darkness has to leave. See, light changes everything. When you walk into a room that is dark, you walk differently than if you walk into a room where it's nicely and bright and lit up. But when that room is dark and you can't see, you're cautious. You stick your hands out. You, you put your feet a little tentatively out with each step, right? just so that you don't bump into something. And you may have walked around that dresser or that bed a million times, but you're still cautious. You still stick your hands out. You still cautiously move because you know the pain of stubbing your toe, right? 
But if you get just a little bit of light, everything changes. You begin to walk normal. You aren't as cautious. You, you have that confidence. Just as that little bit of light changes everything. And Jesus is saying that I want you to be that light in that dark world because light pierces the darkness. See, if we turned off all the lights in this room, it would get pretty dark. It would get so dark, you probably wouldn't be able to see your hand in your face. Every day, our staff will come in here and we'll pray for you and your needs. And there's been times where I've come in here first and no lights were on, and I've run into a pew once or twice. But as I make my way back, and I turn on that small little lamp, that little light illuminates this whole room. And I can walk around here as I pray, confidently, without bumping into a pew. See, when we shine, we influence others. When you invite people to church, you are influencing others. When you become a passionate follower of Christ and you live for God, you're influencing others. There was a young boy who was walking along a beach upon which thousands of starfish had washed upon the shore during a terrible storm. When he came to eat starfish, he would bend down and pick it up and throw it as hard as he could and as far as he could back into the ocean. After doing this for some time, a man approached him and asked the young boy, he said, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't possibly save all these starfish. You can't possibly make a difference. The boy bent down again and picked up another starfish and hurled it as far as he could into the ocean and looked back at that man and said, I made a difference in that one. See, when you use your influence, when you shine, when you show others who Jesus is, you are influencing others, and you are making a difference. See, the purpose of light is to shine. You don't light a candle. You don't turn on a lamp and put it under a bowl. I mean, that... That would be silly. You let it shine to illuminate the darkness. At camp, one of the games our students look forward to is the leader hunt. And pretty much what it is, it's this big, giant game of hide and seek where the leaders always lose. It's, it, it's never fair. And they release these students. And it can be quite scary when 500 students are running out of a building coming looking for you right? And they've got these lights, and they turn on these flashlights. And some of these flashlights aren't ordinary flashlights. I mean, these are flashlights that will brighten up, you know, 100 yards. I mean, I don't know where they're finding these things. They're like raiding lighthouses and finding these things. And they'll turn on these lights, and they'll illuminate the path as they run so that they don't fall and trip. And they'll take their flashlights and Shine them up into the trees looking for the leaders. Trying to find where they're hiding. You see, it would be extremely difficult and almost worthless for the students if they turned on their lights and just covered them up. It would make it hard for them to be able to run in the dark. 
it make it hard for them to be able to find the leaders. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to outlaw those flashlights. But the lights help the students to find people. And yet too often we hide our light. We hide our light when we don't speak up. And I know that there is always a time and a place to speak up and share your faith, but too often we remain silent and don't share about God and his goodness towards others. We hide our light by going along with the crowd. We hide our light by letting sin into our lives, dimming our witness for Christ. We hide our light by ignoring the needs of others. See, unfortunately, I understand not everyone is going to embrace the light that we shine. There have been plenty of times where I've been in a conversation and telling someone about what God has done and sharing about Christ, and they just don't show that same excitement that I have. Oftentimes, the world views Christ as intrusive. And while Jesus is described as the light of the world, in the Bible, darkness is used to describe the world. In John 8, 12, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, the devil will do anything he can to try to keep you from having a real relationship with him, with Jesus. He doesn't want you to use your light to shine and influence others to Christ. He'll remind you of your past. He'll try to bring back to your memory all the things you've ever done, all your mistakes, all your sin. He'll try to trick you, and he'll try to keep reminding you of all your failures, your struggles, all the times you've fallen short. But when that happens, all you have to do is look back to the cross and remember what Christ had done for you. Listen to how the message translation states it in Romans 8, 1. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Christ came to set us free, and we don't have to live under that dark cloud. Your past has been forgiven, and that same power that rose Christ from the grave lives and dwells in you, and he wants you to influence others. See, when you let your light shine, you're influencing others so that they themselves can get out of darkness, so that they can enjoy that same joy that you have in Christ. You see, everyone will see your good deeds when you're influencing others. But we don't do it so that others can see. We do it so that they can experience the same love, compassion that we've received when we cross that line of faith and invited Jesus into our lives. We let the light of Jesus shine through us so that people can praise God 
for he alone is worthy of it. So today and the rest of the summer as you are enjoying your vacations and enjoying time outside with your family, spending time grilling hamburgers and steak and all the other delicious food, let me share with you this morning a couple ways that you can reach out and influence others. I said this, get to know your neighbors. Get to know your neighbors. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yet we live at our house 5, 10, 15, 30 years, and how often do we know our neighbors? We may know our neighbors to the left and right, but do you know your neighbors that live two houses down? Do you know their names? Do you know their kids' names? Get to know them. When you see them outside, say hi and talk with them. There have been many times where I've come home and I've pulled into the driveway, and as I pull in, I see our neighbor sitting in his driveway and garage and hanging out, and so I'll before I even go inside, I'll just walk over and say hi to them and just talk with them for a couple minutes. It's those little conversations that will grow into deeper conversations that will build better relationships with them. So get to know your neighbors. Say hi to them. And then I said, practice random acts of kindness. I have to say, we have some of the best neighbors ever, and I'm sorry you don't live next to us, but we have some of the best neighbors. Not only do we try to look out for them, they're looking out for us and, and helping us and take care of us as well. One of their neighbor, our neighbors, as, as he's mowing his yard, he'll just continue down and just mow our yard, right? And there's times I just want to walk outside and just say, hey, don't forget about the back, right? And then our other neighbor, when we go on vacations, he'll take our garbage cans out to the curb and, and bring them back to the house for us. And they're just a blessing to, to live next to. And so we look for ways to return the favor. And there have been many times during winter where I've almost gotten frostbite as I've been snowblowing our neighbor's driveways. And, and I don't just stop at the neighbor next to me. I've gone down two houses down and just snowblowed. And I don't like the snow. But I'm building relationships with them. I'm doing it for them. And at Christmas time this year, last year, we, we just wanted to show our neighbors that we appreciated them, that we loved them. And so we made some homemade fudge and wrapped it up and brought it out and handed it to them and just let them know, Merry Christmas. And we just wanted to show appreciation. I just want you to find different ways. Show them that you care. Do random acts of kindness for them. They'll take notice. They'll take notice. And then I said, pray for your neighbors. Commit to praying for them. You may not have that relationship with them yet where they're coming to you with prayer requests, but you can still be praying for them. You can be praying for them that God will protect their family, that God will open up opportunities for you to talk to them about spiritual matters. Last year, one of our neighbors that we've been building relationship with shared how their mom had passed away and 
we were able to talk with them. And we don't have that relationship yet where we can just pray with them. But we told them, we're going to be praying for you. We understand that, man, the grieving process and the hurt. And so know that we're praying for you. And then this year, we noticed that our one neighbor never put up their Christmas lights. Usually, Jeanette and him, I don't, they don't do it on purpose, but they coordinate the same day that they put light, their lights up. And, and so we waited. He didn't put them up yet. He didn't put them up yet. And so finally, Jeanette went out and put up the lights without him there, right? And so at Christmas, when we brought the fudge over to their house, we wished him Merry Christmas and got to talking and he just began to share how he had back surgery not too long ago. And we said, oh, man, let us know if you need anything. We're here to help. We'll be praying for you. And so I said, listen, you shouldn't be outside shoveling, snowblowing. I will take care of your driveway. I said, but we're going to be praying that God touches and heals your back, and you'll be back to your old self quickly. See, make it a habit to pray for them. And as the days and weeks go by and you talk to them, ask them how they're doing. Let them know you've been praying and just check in on them. Let them know. And then I said, be available. Be available for them. When your neighbor asks for help, say yes if you can. Say yes if you can. It was a couple years ago, but... Jeanette was about to make some chocolate chip cookies, and she found out that she didn't have enough sugar, and I really wanted those chocolate chip cookies. And so I told her to do what everyone else would do, and I said, go next door and ask our neighbor if, they can, if we can borrow a cup of sugar. And so she went over and asked the neighbor for a cup of sugar, and they said, sure, and they gave us a whole bag. And so we made those chocolate chip cookies, and of course, we brought them over a whole plateful as well, and they were delicious. But what happens when someone comes to you and it inconveniences you? It was a couple months ago, and our whole family was asleep, and I was getting ready to go to bed, and our whole house was pitch black. All the lights were off. And all of a sudden, I got a text from my neighbor. Are you still up? That's what it read. And I looked at it, and I thought, the lights are off. If he's looking at my house right now, he doesn't know if I'm awake. And I paused, and I thought, what should I do? I want to go to bed. And so I just said a quick prayer. God, help me. Help me to answer. Help me to take care of this need, whatever it is. And so I responded, yes, what do you need? Not knowing what it was, not knowing how long it was going to take, not knowing how great of an inconvenience it was going to be. What do you need? Because I'm building relationships. I'm reaching out and influencing. See, if you and I are to influence our neighbors, we need to be available to them. Even if it's 11 o'clock at night. Now, thankfully, the rest of the text went, we're cooking a turkey and need a thermometer to make sure it's cooked. You have one. 
I responded, yeah, let me get one for you. And so we talked a little bit about outside. And I said, why are you cooking a turkey so late? And we talked and I said, listen, I want some of this later. <laughs> Building relationship. Thankfully, it wasn't something that was going to keep me up late. Thankfully, it was something simple. But when I answered that question, I had no idea what he was going to ask. But I was willing to stay up with him. I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to help him. And then finally, I said, invite them to your group. And this requires building a relationship. This is going to take time. This is where those conversations, when you pull into your driveway and you see them standing outside and you walk over and you just have these little conversations with them. This is where all those random acts of kindness have been making those deposits in their life. This is where all those prayers you've been praying for has been speaking to their heart. This is where all those times you've been available to them begins to show up. As you grow and build trust with them, ask them to come to a, a small group. You know, maybe it's just a hangout night at first where it's just a cookout where everyone's just hanging out and eating. I find that it's non-threatening when there's food, right? If they don't want to answer a question, they can just stick something else into their mouth, right? So when you see me eating, you know my trick now. <laughs> just keep eating. Just keep eating. It's non-threatening. Find a time where you can invite them. So not only they can build a relationship with you, but they can begin to build relationship with the body of Christ. Where they can get to know your friends. Where they can get to know other people who love God and can influence them as well. And then invite them to come to a church service. You know, if we're to influence others and be light, we need to make sure we're building relationships but we need to be inviting. Invite them to come out to the service and then take them out to lunch. And at lunch, just talk to them and ask them, what'd you think? Was it a little bit different than what you expected? Hopefully you were preparing them. And talk to them and answer their questions. But invite them out. Because we are called to be involved in people's lives to influence others. At the beginning, I asked about changing your town for Christ, and I asked if Jesus was going to use someone to change their school, to change their workplace, to change their community, their home, their neighborhood. Who would he use? You know, Jesus never asked that question. He just simply told his disciples that they were salt and light that they were to go into their neighborhoods, their schools, their wor workplaces, and show others what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ. The only way to make a change and influence others 
is to get out there and let the world see you. See, it's about being salt to a world that needs flavor. It's about being light to a world that's full of darkness. And so let me encourage you this morning. Let's help persuade people to be passionate followers of Christ by stepping out of our comfort zones, reaching out to our neighbors, and influencing them. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you. God, as we sang about your love for us, God, you truly do love us. And God, you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus into this world to die for us so that we can have a real, lasting relationship with you. And God, I pray this morning for each of us that we would know that you are there, that you are calling us to be salt and light, to influence those around us. And so, God, I pray today, may we walk with you, may we have that confidence in you to influence others, to live passionately for you. And if you're here this morning and you've not crossed that line of faith and committed your life to Christ, and this morning you want to, you want to invite God into your life and ask Jesus to forgive you of all your mistakes, what the Bible calls sin, and allow God to come and change your life, will you pray this prayer with me this morning? You don't have to pray out loud, but just simply pray along with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. And though I don't understand everything, I do understand that I need you today in my life. I need you to come into my life and to forgive me of my mistakes, to forgive me of my sin, and help me to be a new person. God, may you help me to live each day for you. God, may I be salt and light to those around me. And may I experience all that you have to offer me. I pray in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for each and every one of us here in this room. God, may we be salt. May we flavor this world with your presence. May we be light, God, showing the dark world who you are and your goodness to others. And God, this summer, as we reach out to our neighbors, may we look for opportunities. Maybe it's just a simple conversation talking about the weather that starts something deeper. But God, may you give us opportunities to reach out to our friends. May we look for random ways to show kindness to them. Maybe it's mowing their lawn. Maybe it's bringing their garbage cans back to their house. God, maybe it's doing something else. But God, may we be looking for ways 
to show them that we care, that we love them. And God, as we pray for our neighbors, may you open up opportunities. May you soften their hearts so that we can talk to them and invite them to come. God, to a small group, to a church service, or maybe it's just inviting them to have a relationship with you. God, may you just do a work in our hearts so that we can influence others for you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.